Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, February 8th. I'm Michael Guidry, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the head of the Mississippi Division of Medicaid is projecting the program's costs. The state is going to increase by hundreds of millions of dollars over the next few years. Then the police department in a small Mississippi town is being investigated by the Department of Justice. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The head of the Mississippi Division of Medicaid warned lawmakers on Wednesday the state's share of the cost to run the safety net program could increase by more than $400 million over the next few years. The federal government plans pays the lion's share of the cost to run the state's Medicaid program. But Drew Snyder, executive director of the Mississippi Division of Medicaid, tells the Senate Medicaid Committee these cost increases are expected to factor into the 2026 fiscal year. With the declining federal funding share and some some the federal regulatory landscape, you know, some of the moves to kind of loosen utilization management practices and just the rising costs of care and labor, um, the Medicaid program is going to cost substantially more to fund in the future with you know, potentially fewer levers to control those costs. But I do think, despite these demands, success is possible. I, mean, I think it's going to be, as I say here, a delicate balancing act. But we can maintain positive momentum you know, while also minimizing the spillover effects, the impact to the healthcare delivery system, and you know, making sure that we control costs for taxpayers. But like, it is going to require a, a prudent, thoughtful, measured approach to spending more in some places, finding some ways to curb spending in others. The announcement was made as lawmakers have gotten deeper into discussions about if Mississippi should expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. Conversations on the topic have been unsuccessful in recent years, but the new House Speaker, Jason White, has renewed interest in the policy. Senate Medicaid Committee Chair Republican Kevin Blackwell of South Haven asked Snyder about how these increased costs would what these inf- uh, increased costs would mean alongside Medicaid expansion. In uh, the states that have done this, they've they've usually missed their mark on uh, enrollees. 
I know we're down to about the 800,000 now. Projections are if we were to expand, we'd add probably two, another 200,000. If in keeping with other states, uh, that's probably more likely going to be four to 500,000 people. Can you uh, tell us what it's going to do to your budget if if state were to move in that direction? I don't have an exact number. I, I think we've looked at some gross costs and, uh, the, uh, that were in the, that were over, that were between 200 and 250 million a year. You know, that, that, Total, that gross cost may be mitigated a little bit by insurance premium tax and some um, some things that Medicaid may not directly see, um, but it's a it's a, it's a pretty significant impact. And it's not it, it, if it was let's say it's two hundred and thirty it it won't probably in there's there's a ramp up time so year one maybe it's not two hundred and thirty million if it gets there. Um, and then over time, that number is going to go up. I mean, you, you saw you saw how the healthcare costs have been trending. So two thirty can become three hundred pretty quickly. Um, the one thing that we do know about you know, Medicaid expansion projections is that they've all been proven wrong. So we don't necessarily, yeah, I, I can't say in twenty thirty one expansion population is going to cost X. It would be a significant cost driver. We also have costs that we have to consider for our children, our pregnant moms, our um, low-income seniors, uh, the waiver program, a lot of demands from that, you know, that traditional needy population that's been the foundation of the Medicaid program. Following the meeting with the Senate Medicaid Committee, Snyder spoke with our Will Stribling about how the increased costs could affect his agency and state budgets. There was a 42% increase in the non-federal share uh, burden for the state. So instead of paying $0.16 for every $1 of uh, Medicaid services, uh, we'll be in FY25, we'll be paying 20 23 we'll be paying 23 cents so that creates the uh that creates a big change and when you look at the numbers and you're spending around six billion uh, when it's matched at uh at uh, when you've got to put in 16 percent of six and a half billion versus um Twenty-three. I mean, you're going to see some big. You're going to see some big changes. We have a cash balance that we're uh, we've been we're going to spend that down over the next two years. Um, that's going to probably um, be exhausted by uh, the by the end of or the end of state fiscal year 2025, and then that's when we'll really see that big uh, um, big increase. Um, now, I think right now we're in a situation where it's really kind of a correction that we, we've, we're we 11% under state support than we were uh, from our peak in 2016. So a lot of this is really just a readjustment. We're seeing some of the, the increases in state support that are consistent with what some of the increases that we've been seeing in the total spending uh, in the program. And I think some of the additional costs are not uh, not really uncommon. We're seeing some, some pretty large deficits in some other states. And uh, as this 
federal share has the uh, has declined, um, it's really going to put a lot of pressure on uh, state Medicaid budgets uh, in other states and here in Mississippi as well. What do you see the the, Im- the impact on the hospital spending of that extra six hundred million? Was it right that they're they're getting through those you know the extra federal money and the increase in bed taxes paying the state portion? Yeah, look, it's a really transformational, uh, really transformational change for the hospital industry, and I think uh, yeah, hopefully will really help preserve access to, to care. And um, yeah, we're we're really thrilled that we uh, got the CMS approval for it in December. That was Drew Snyder, executive director of the Mississippi Division of Medicaid, with our Will Stribling. Up next, the police, the police department in a small Mississippi town is being investigated by the Department of Justice. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. Thanks to our sustaining members who provide ongoing monthly financial support. You can become a sustainer, too. Go to mpbonline.org and click Donate Now at the top of the page. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. About an hour north of Jackson, the Justice Department is investigating a little town and its police force. The allegations? Unlawful stops, retaliation, racist roadblocks, and excessive force. As the Gulf States newsroom's Kat Stromquist reports, residents still worry they won't see change. The center of Lexington, Mississippi, is an old-fashioned square ringed with businesses. A beauty supply store, an eye doctor, a weekly newspaper. Every so often, a police car creeps slowly around the block. It's an unsettling reminder of what county residents allege has been going on with the town's police. You're talking about uh, mentally ill patients being beat on side of the road. If you get pulled over, chances are you're going to get locked up or you're going to mm-hmm. get jacked up at the same time. My time staying there at the jail was like a bus stop. Like, you saw so many people in and out. I heard so many, you too? What you do? That's Cardell Wright, Francine Jefferson, and Peter Reeves, who all have deep roots in this majority black county. Some residents brought these concerns to the police department. Civil rights attorneys filed lawsuits. The claims brought in the Justice Department, shining a bright spotlight on an unlikely place. Only about 1,600 people live in Lexington. These investigations have happened in cities as big as Memphis, or at big agencies like the Louisiana State Police. Federal investigators are now pouring through records, looking at video, and interviewing people. And these reviews often lead to big changes in police departments. But Lexington feels different. One area resident I spoke with compared the police department to the mob. Cardell Wright, an organizer and president of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, says he's waiting to see what will happen. It was a a ray of sunshine for the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office to open a pattern and practice investigation, but we need to get to the finish line. Another organizer, Francine Jefferson, is pretty skeptical. For some reason, it just seems that we're not going to get the justice. 
that's how it feels to me deep down inside. It's like there are too many people. Over the past couple of years, the two held meetings and news conferences. They worked to get people out of jail. They went to court and met with officials about Lexington policing. Jefferson is trying to stay optimistic, but the region's struggles fuel her doubts. We've got two Mississippis. Hmm. There's one for um, people of color and, and poor. That's that's kind of together. And then there's uh, one for the status quo, those who have, the have and have-nots. That's where we are. There's crime, too. It's funny. In Lexington, people told me they're worried about robberies and shootings. This just isn't a place where people say they want to ban or defund the police. Take retired educator and activist Sherry Reeves. I believe in law and order, okay? I believe in policing, but policing the right way, without harassment. I meet Sherry and her son Peter in a cozy wood-paneled den with deer and geese etched on the walls. Peter is a plaintiff in a civil rights lawsuit against the department and local officials. Sherry Reeves connects Lexington's problems to officer misconduct all over the state. Like in Rankin County where several officers recently pled guilty to criminal charges. She hopes the investigation can be an example that can lead to change. I don't want my child, my grandchild growing up scared of the police. What the way forward looks like wasn't always clear. Not very many people I spoke to could tell me about specific changes they want to see. But one former officer and whistleblower agrees things could be a lot different. Robert Lee Hooker Jr. recorded Lexington's former police chief, his boss, allegedly using racist slurs and bragging about shooting people. The recording set off a media firestorm. It drew international attention to Lexington. Knowing that my mom and my daddy picked cotton, I couldn't let it go. Hooker left his job. Now a county sheriff's deputy, his living room is a tribute to his law enforcement career. A flak jacket, scattered ID badges... One of his Lexington police paychecks sits on his coffee table. Wait, how much did you say officers were making? The last time, the last time I heard their pay rate was ten sixty three. It might have gone up to eleven something, but that still ain't no money, baby. That ain't no real money. The lack of resources in Holmes County is even felt by law enforcement. For this officer, this area is complicated. It's a place that needs good cops to thrive. But where people ask his permission to drive through town. Afraid of being thrown in jail. You know, um, some cops be cops for the wrong reasons. They cops for the wrong reason, baby girl, they did. Lexington's mayor and city attorney declined an interview request citing litigation. Its police chief didn't return inquiries. The Justice Department plans to release a report if investigators find a pattern of violations of people's rights. If they don't find anything, they'll say that publicly. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Kat Stromquist. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. We will now join NPR's live coverage of the Supreme Court hearing regarding former President Donald Trump and Colorado's removing him from the ballot.